This is Julie D. from NordoniaHills.News. The Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Hello everyone, hope you had a great Father's Day this past Sunday. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Sports Show with your very own Dariah Sethna. Tons to talk about today, and I mean a ton. But let's start with our sports fact of the day. It's a little bit of a trivia question today, a little bit of jeopardy here. For all of you baseball fans out there, the question for today is, what baseball player did David Letterman call a fat tub of goo? And ladies and gentlemen, the answer to the question of who did David Letterman call a fat tub of goo, that answer is that during the June 17th, 1985 edition of the Late Night Show with David Letterman on NBC, Letterman, who was a big baseball fan, called overweight Atlanta Braves reliever Terry Forster a fat tub of goo. Forster was initially angry but decided to go along with the joke when he realized he was receiving more publicity than anything else he had done in his major league career, which began when he was a 19-year-old with the Chicago White Sox in 1971. Forster appeared on Letterman's show on July 29th and walked onto the set eating a sandwich with his pockets stuffed with candy bars, hot dogs, and soft drinks. The pitcher also did a cooking segment in which he made a taco. Later, Forster filmed a video titled, Fat is In. So, a very interesting sports fact. You know, I was watching Conan myself yesterday, um, some of his snippets from U- YouTube. It's pretty amazing how influential these late-night hosts can be when it comes to sports. And we have a lot of soccer to talk about this week in the Cleveland Sports Show. So I want to get that started right away. First, let's cover some basics of the MLS so far. We're going to have a break, a long break, um, from the MLS. A two-week break. Our last um, slate of games was last Saturday, um, June 8th. San Jose and FC Dallas tied 2-2. Philadelphia defeated New York 3-2. And then um, the Colorado Rapids defeated Minnesota United by a final score of 1-0. Then, as I said, our next slate of games will begin this upcoming Saturday, the 22nd. Ohio's own FC Cincinnati will face off against the LA Galaxy. FC Dallas will take on Toronto. Chicago and Real Salt Lake will face off as well. Vancouver and Colorado, um, also from Vancouver this upcoming Saturday. And then finally, at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Portland will be taking on the Houston Dynamo. Our overall standings for the MLS include Philadelphia, who are still at the top spot. Now they have a comfortable margin, four points ahead of the Montreal Impact, um, who have 27 points, leading the Philadelphia Union to have 31 points. In 17 matches played, Philadelphia have nine wins, four draws, and four losses. The Montreal Impact, in 18 matches played, have eight wins, three draws, and seven losses, for those 27 points. DC United back in third place with seven wins, six draws, and four losses for a combined 27 points as well. And then the defending champions, Atlanta United, 
with eight wins, two draws, and five losses for 26 points. Now for the Western Conference, LAFC continues to be the best team in the MLS by far. They will most likely be the first team this season in the MLS to reach the 40-point mark. They only need one more win to do so, as they have 37 points. Those 37 points came thanks to 11 wins, 4 draws, and only 1 loss. Their community counterpart, as I should say, the LA Galaxy, 16 matches played. They have 9 wins, 1 draw, and 6 losses for 28 points. The Seattle Sounders, with 7 wins, 5 draws, 4 losses for 26 total points. Then in 4th place, it is the Houston Dynamo, 2 points behind Seattle. Seven wins, three draws, three losses for a total of 24 points. The top scorers in the MLS include Carlos Vela of LAFC, 16 goals, Zlatan Ibrahimovic of the LA Galaxy with 11, Josef Martinez of Atlanta United with 10 goals, and then in the fourth and fifth spot, it is Wayne Rooney of DC United and Nani of Orlando, each of those players with 8 total goals on the season. And the Columbus crew, since the last time we talked, only played one game. And if you can recall, it was against the Pittsburgh River Hounds, um, who was a team from um, that other league that we were mentioning. If you don't remember what I'm talking about, go to our last episode. You can see it on NordoniaHills.News or my Twitter account. But nonetheless, the crew were able to defeat Pittsburgh by a final score of one to nothing. The U.S. Open Cup round of 16 will begin um, this Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Um, the Columbus crew will be hosting the defending champions, Atlanta United, so a huge game coming up for the crew tomorrow. Then, once the MLS regular season kicks off this weekend, this upcoming Sunday, the 23rd, the Columbus crew will host Sporting Kansas City and Orlando City before heading back out on the road to Salt Lake City to take on real Salt Lake. Now even though the crew did get the win against the Pittsburgh River Hounds, this does not help their overall record um, in the MLS regular season as they have fallen to 10th place. They do have 5 wins and 2 draws, however they have a staggering 9 losses so far. That is the second um, most, or excuse me, that is the second highest number of losses in the Eastern Conference of the MLS. The crew only have 17 points. But FC Cincinnati, you have been able to do a worse job than the New England Revolution this year. As FC Cincinnati have the lowest number of points in any for any team in the MLS this year. Three wins, two draws, and 11 losses. It seems like it's almost a Browns record. It's too good to be true. FC Cincinnati have been horrendous their last few games. However, they were able to pick up a win last Wednesday against uh, Louisville City, the same league that Pittsburgh is in, in that U.S. Open Cup fourth round. FC Cincinnati will be facing off against St. Louis FC um, in St. Louis, Missouri for the U.S. Open Cup round of 16. Um, this upcoming Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 
FC Cincinnati will then host the LA Galaxy this upcoming Saturday before heading out to Minnesota to take on Minnesota United. They will then come back home to Cincinnati and host the Houston Dynamo before heading back out on the road again, um, going to the Windy City in Chicago for a matchup against the Chicago Fire. Now, we're done with MLS soccer. We don't have UEFA Champions League soccer to talk about anymore because Liverpool won it. So what else? What other soccer news can we possibly be talking about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have it for you right here. The 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup in France has been electric so far in its first few weeks. We have live group standings for you right now. Um, as I'm speaking, in about 13 minutes, China and Spain will be facing off simultaneously at that same time. South Africa will be taking on Germany. Now, the time zone uh, for France is six hours ahead of us, so those games in France will be starting at about six o'clock in the evening. The actual groups themselves, let's go break down each group. In first place, it's the host nation France with two wins out of uh, the three so far. They play um, this afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time against Nigeria. So they have six points. Norway, in two matches, have a win and a loss for three points. Nigeria, in the same boat with Norway, a win and a loss for three points. South Korea, however, in the two matches they have played so far, they are 0 of 2 for zero points. In Group B, Germany and Spain are the two European powerhouses. However, Germany um, does lead the group with six points, as they did defeat Spain earlier this week. Spain is in second place with one win, excuse me, one win and one loss for three points. China is in the same boat as Spain is, and South Africa, just like um, South Korea in the in the previous group, two matches played, but unfortunately two losses for them. In Group C, it's Italy, Brazil, Australia, and Jamaica. Italy lead the pack of the group with six points and have been dominant. They destroyed Jamaica by a final score of five to nothing and defeated Australia um, in a surprise win in their opening game two to one. Italy and Brazil will be facing off um, tomorrow. It's one of the biggest um, national rivalries, Brazil versus Italy. You may know that from the 1994 World Cup, but we're not going to get into that. Nonetheless, Italy leads the group with six points. Brazil. Um, in second with one win and one loss for three points. Australia with one win and one loss for three points as well. And then Jamaica, O of two as well. In Group D, it gets a little bit more interesting. England, who are the top seed in the group, have six points thanks to two wins. Japan have one win, one draw, and have not lost yet. Now, in terms of points, a win is, of course, three points. A loss is going to be zero points. And a draw will get you only one point. So thanks to that draw, Japan were able to pick up an extra point um, against Argentina and have four points total now in the group. Argentina are in third place with only one point thanks to a 0-0 draw with Japan in the opening week of the World Cup. And then Scotland are 0-2 of in their two games so far in France and have zero points at the bottom of the table. Netherlands, O Canada, Cameroon, and New Zealand. Now, there's a lot of reasons to be happy if you're Canadian right now, but we're going to get into the real reason a little bit later. The other reason is because the Canadian women's team has been fantastic in this Women's World Cup so far. They defeated Cameroon 
one to nothing in their opening game, and then went on to win against New Zealand as well. In two matches played, Canada have two wins, of course, for six total points. However, it's the Netherlands, thanks to goal differential, who are in the top spot of Group E. In third place, Cameroon have two matches played and two losses. It's the same for New Zealand. They have played two matches and have two losses for a combined zero points. Group F is where the home team, the United States, is. After thrashing Thailand by a final score of 13-0, to zero, the United States went on to defeat Chile by a final score of 3 to nothing yesterday. However, it is Sweden. Uh, um, so the United States and Sweden are in the top two uh, positions. Chile in third place. And due to that goal differential, Thailand is in a very, very, uh, very, very secure last place. So, so Tha- the only way Thailand can get third place is if they defeat Chile in their next match as Chile and Thailand will face off later this week. Now, I did mention Canada um, just a few minutes ago, and um, yes, the women's team, uh, the Canadian women's national soccer team has been fantastic in this World Cup. But if you're more from the Ontario region um, in Toronto, you might be celebrating for a different reason. There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. That's right, oh Canada, the Toronto Raptors for the first time in franchise history are NBA champions, but the last time we talked, it was right after game three when the Raptors took a 2-1 to one lead in the series. The Raptors, one of the most impossible feats that no NBA team has been ever, has ever been able to accomplish. Defeating the Golden State Warriors at Oracle Arena in all of the games in the series. In Game 4, the Raptors defeated the Warriors 105-92. to They outscored the Warriors by 16 in the third quarter. Now, the Warriors are a dominant third quarter team. In fact, Jalen Rose has even said that the third quarter Golden State Warriors are the 31st team in the NBA. They just flip a switch. But it seemed that the Toronto Raptors were instead the team who flipped that switch in Game 4. Kawhi Leonard in Game 4 had 36 points in 41 minutes. Pascal Siakam had a great game, 19 points in 41 minutes as well. Fred Van Vliet, not one of his best games, but he performed well, having 6 assists as the backup point guard for Toronto. It was Serge Ibaka's night, though. In 22 points, he put up... um, Excuse me, in 22 minutes, he put up 20 points with four rebounds and one assist to really lead the Raptors uh, to victory. Now, in game five, the Raptors had a chance up 3 1 to close out the series at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, but the resilience of the Golden State Warriors would not let up. Now, the Warriors did have Kevin Durant back. He was cleared to play, however, he was injured um, in the first quarter. Uh, first and second quarter, I, I can't recall. Um, I apologize. But nonetheless, Kevin Durant tried to do a crossover move on Serge Ibaka, um, but apparently tore his Achilles. And it's extremely unfortunate. Now we're hearing news that he might even miss um, an entire year, um, an entire season due to this. And I even posted on my Twitter account, you know, let's hope that Kevin Durant can get well 
Clay Thompson um, also suffering an injury right now. So hopefully those two players can, you know, have a quick and comfortable recovery so they can get back on the court. You know, those are two truly professional players, and we would hate to see them go out in such an unfortunate fashion. But nonetheless, in Game 5, the Warriors pulled away with a one-point victory. It was a close game throughout. In fact, in the third quarter, both teams um, scored 22 points. It was neck and neck. The Raptors, at one point, built a six-point lead, but the heroics of Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, the Splash Brothers, were able to pull the Warriors out of a six-point hole and eventually give them a one-point win. Stephen Curry had 31 points in Game 5 in 41 minutes. DeMarcus Cousins also had a big game, 14 points um, tw in 20 minutes as well. Klay Thompson, the other splash brother, had the most minutes out of any Warrior player um, Excuse me, in Game 5 with 42 minutes and 26 points in those 42 minutes. Now, Game 6 was the final game at Oracle Arena no matter what happened, whether the Warriors won or lost. This would be the final game at Oracle Arena, a season that has hosted the Warriors for 40, or excuse me, an arena that's hosted the Warriors for 47 seasons. The Warriors will now be moving on to the Chase Center in downtown San Francisco, so they'll be moving across the bay. And the Warrior fans in Oakland and Oracle Arena wanted to send the Warriors away um, with a hoorah. However, the Raptors had other plans. In the fourth quarter, the Raptors outscored the Warriors by six. And when Clay Thompson went down in the second half, it really looked like Stephen Curry was going to have to do what he did in Game 3 and really carry the Warriors to a crucial Game 6 victory. However, he didn't have enough. Kyle Lowry, in 42 minutes, put up 26 points. He was phenomenal, and it was actually Pascal Siakam who got the most um, number, of, who got the highest number of minutes in Game Six. Forty-six out of um, the forty-eight minutes, Pascal Siakam was on the court. Kawhi Leonard had forty-one minutes and put up twenty-two points. And in those forty-one, uh, forty-six minutes that Pascal Siakam had, he was rather productive, scoring twenty-six points, getting ten rebounds and three assists. Other than Draymond Green, who had 19 rebounds, Pascal Siakam was the only player, only other player, to have double-digit rebounding. Nonetheless, the Raptors defeated the Warriors 114 to 110 to win their first championship in franchise history ever since the team was um, established in 1995. All of the heartbreak that they've gone through especially to our Cleveland Cavaliers, the Raptors have finally um, made it over the hump and are now NBA champions. Let's see what Kawhi Leonard had to say post-game um, after Game 6 when he was asked how it really felt um, at the beginning of the season and his journey in the city of Toronto now becoming a champion. Uh, I mean, we all know where my destinations were. Uh, but obviously, you know, like I said, when I was there on my opening day meeting that, um, you know, I was focused on the now, and, you know, I wanted to make history here, and that's all I did, I just, you know, I'm still playing basketball, no matter what jersey I have on, uh, and the, the guys here been, um, you know, making runs in the playoffs before I came, so I know they're a talented team, and, 
you know, I just uh, came in with the right mindset. Um, let's go out and win ball games. I text Kyle probably a day later or the day that I got traded and told him, let's go out and do something special. I know your best friend left. I know you're mad, but, uh, you know, um, let's make this thing work out. And we, we're here today. And Kawhi winning the NBA Finals MVP for the second time in his career. He is the third player in NBA history to win the Finals MVP for two different teams. The other two, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and our very own LeBron James, um, when he won his Finals MVP with his second stint in Cleveland in 2016 with the Cavs. So congratulations, Toronto. Your 2019 NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors, will see what Kawhi Leonard will do this offseason. We have a lot going on this offseason. It's going to be crazy. Unfortunately, we don't know what uh, Kevin Durant um, is going to do, especially now with the injury. But we still have a load of free agents to get talking about. And the Los Angeles Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans have finally reached a deal for Anthony Davis. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this does get a little bit complex, so I, um, I'm i going to take this slowly and let you guys be able to sink all of this in. Now, the Lakers did p indeed pay a steep price, as Adrian uh, Wojnarowski stated in his article. Now, the Lakers, of course, receive Anthony Davis, but here is what the Lakers have to trade away to New Orleans in order to get him. So they traded Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. So those are the three players that they already had on the Lakers, traded them to New Orleans. But it doesn't stop there. If you remember, the Lakers got the number four overall pick um, in the NBA draft lottery um, back on May 14th. The Lakers, along with Ball, Ingram, and Hart, traded away that pick um, as well. The Lakers also traded um, two other first-round picks in that deal in order to get one player in Anthony Davis. Now, Anthony Davis isn't just any other basketball player. We know how phenomenal Anthony Davis can be. So in that case, ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you, who do you think won this trade? Who do you think lost this trade? Did both teams benefit from this trade? You know, Now, of course, the Pelicans have the number one pick, and with Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball... Um, and the number four overall pick as well. New Orleans is going to have a great NBA draft if they can um, really find the best picks. Of course, they'll most likely pick Zion Williamson at number one. But it's going to be interesting who they get to pick at um, the number fourth seed. Kyle Kuzma, ladies and gentlemen, is still a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. He was not traded at all. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm kind of taking a sigh of relief in that knowing that they still have the promising young star in Kyle Kuzma. So that was the biggest news that we heard um, so far. The deal itself will actually be completed on July 6th um, because that's when free agency actually begins, begins more of July. We really can't be making trades right now, especially since the finals just ended. So more of that to come in July, but that is our first major event in free agency so far this year. We will have a lot more um, to come, as I said, when July rolls around. 
And a quick update for you guys on the WNBA. Our final scores from yesterday included the Connecticut Sun defeating the Seattle Storm 81 to 67 and the Aces defeating the Minnesota Lynx 80 to 75. Tomorrow we have games. The Mystics and the Sparks will face off at 10:30. Um on Wednesday, the Fever and the Dream will face off at 11 in the morning Eastern Time and then the Sky and New York Liberty will face off at 7 in the evening on Wednesday. Our current standings for the WNBA, the Connecticut Sun um, are 8-1 and one in their last nine games. They've won six in a row. They are 8-1 and one on the season. The Chicago Sky are 4-2. and two. They've won three in a row and um, are 4-2 and two in their last six games. For the Western Conference, the Aces are 4-3. and three. They've won two in a row. Um, they're four and three in their last seven games, and the Los Angeles Sparks—they've lost—they um, just lost uh, their most recent game, so they've currently started a losing streak. However, they are still four and three with a 57 um, per winning percentage, and the defending champions, the Seattle Storm, five and four on the season. They are three and four on the road, so if they're going to want to repeat as back-to-back -back WNBA champions they're most likely going to have to improve that road record in order to do so. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, that is our final um, topic in terms of basketball. But, of course, we have to it hit the ice, and let's see what happened in the Stanley Cup Finals. And the St. Louis Blues, with their first ever um, Stanley Cup championship, in the first in franchise history, in Game 7... They defeated the Boston Bruins at TD Garden um, four to one, so it really um, was not close, especially after the after the uh, uh, the first period, as the St. Louis Blues went up two to nothing. It was scoreless in the second period, but in the third period, the Blues pulled away, outscoring the Bruins two to one in the period, eventually winning the game four to one. A major major event. Um, for the St. Louis Blues, as I said, this is their first um, championship, Stanley Cup Final championship in the um, history of the franchise. Especially, you know, late in January, they were not doing very well um, in the season. If I recall, they were at the bottom of um, their conference, and you know, their ability to come back and defeat the heavily favored Boston Bruins who defeated our Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, really a huge, huge um, accomplishment for the St. Louis Blues. And last but certainly not least, it's time for Indians Talk, as we're going to um, discuss their last three games. Um, this past Friday, the Indians destroyed the Tigers um, in Detroit by a final score of 13-4. to Scoreless after the first inning, each team scored two runs in the second inning. Um, the tr Tigers actually went up 3-2 to two in the third inning, but the fourth inning the R Indians really poured it on as they scored eight runs in the fourth inning. They tagged on um, another run in the fifth inning, and then two more in the eighth inning to eventually win the game by nine. The Indians um, then played their second of the three games, in Detroit against the Tigers, winning that one 4-2 to two as well. 
The Indians um, were able to score three runs in the fifth inning. It was scoreless after four innings. Um, then the Tigers were able to tack on two runs in the seventh inning to get that score back down three uh, three to two and cut the lead to one. However, in the eighth inning, the Indians tacked on a run and eventually put the game to bed. The most recent game for the Indians um, came yesterday on Father's Day, and if um, you're a father and really love the Indians, yesterday was definitely your day, as the Indians again destroyed the Tigers. They took a one nothing lead after the first inning, and then tacked on three runs in the third inning, and two more in the fourth inning. They then scored one run in the sixth and seventh inning to eventually score those eight runs and again destroy the Tigers. The Indians are now 37 and 33 compared to the Tigers who are 25 and 43. The upcoming schedule for the Indians um, includes a trip to Texas where they will have a four game um, series against the Rangers in Texas of course. Then they will come back home to Progressive Field for three straight games against the Tigers and then three more games at Progressive Field against the Kansas City Royals before heading back out on the road to Baltimore, more specifically, to take on the Orioles. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's episode for the Cleveland Sports Show. Once again, guys, thank you so much um, for taking the time to listen. We had a lot to talk about today, and we're going to have a lot more to talk about, especially with the Women's World Cup um, knockout stage coming soon, um, and NBA free agency coming as well. Once again, hope um, that Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson get well soon. We really miss you guys. And also, have a great week, and I will see you this Saturday for another episode of the Cleveland Sports Show. But until then, take care. <laughs>